All right, well, good morning. Uh, I'm going to read to us out of the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. One of the things that I that I love doing when I preach is, is um, you know, my training in education is, is as a Bible scholar. And I feel really cool when I get to use like verses and passages that are like obscure and people are like, Oh, I don't know that one today. It's just, it's the classics, baby. It's Ecclesiastes. There's a season, a time for everything. And it's uh, John 15. Uh, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And so Jesus says, uh, and I'm reading out of uh, the inclusive Bible. It's a great translation. And so um, it's, it says, uh, I am the true vine and my Abba is the vine grower who cuts off every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, but prunes the fruitful ones to increase their yield. You've been pruned already, thanks to the word that I've spoken to you. Live on in me as I do in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself apart from the vine, neither can you bear fruit apart from me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who live in me and I in them will bear abundant fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. There's great imagery throughout scripture uh, about gardens and farming and care for the land and so many agricultural metaphors and things like that. And for the people it was written to, that made a lot of sense. It was, they, they were thinking, this was how they lived their lives. This is what they did um, for a lot of folks in particularly, you know, in our culture and in a first world culture here and um, we're most of us. I don't know if we if we have any um, farmers in our midst. Maybe we do, and I'm I'm unaware. I know we have some gardeners, and I, I know Matthew is going to teach us all uh, how to um, sustain ourselves off of um, small farms and gardens. So really thankful for that, Matthew, and, and what you have coming there. You're committed to that now. But the original version of this, like I said a few minutes ago, was written in the spring of 2009. I was living in New Orleans with an organization called Mission Year, five other uh, you know, young white kids trying to save the inner city for Jesus. One of the things that we spent a large part of our year doing there was finding different service sites, different places to volunteer, uh, and then we you know, raised money from back home to, to take care of our needs and things like that. Within like a week of us moving there, we were walking to these different places trying to to drum up, you know, where we were going to be. And we're walking down this road near our house and this this older gentleman calls to us from his porch and he asks us what church we're with. <laughs> because if you're five white kids walking down the street in New Orleans, particularly in, in 2008, right, just a couple years after Katrina, you are there with some kind of church. You're there with some kind of Jesus uh, group. Um, and so before we knew it, uh, we were set up to meet him at his urban farm that Saturday. This was like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Uh, and, and when we arrived at that urban farm that Saturday, we saw uh, that this was like going to be a project. Uh, and, and that was one of the things we were there to do was to find work to do uh, that would take up our time, put us involved in the community. So this was good. We, this was fine. We had a whole year to live there. Earl, who was the man we had met, and this was whose, whose urban farm we were on, uh, told us about how this was a program that he and, uh, one of his good friends had run for years and years, uh, as a program for the tenement project around this farm and the St. Thomas tenement project. And they would, teach the boys about 
uh, growing, about planting, about um, different agricultural methods and what was different about an urban farm versus a traditional farm. But they also, they ran it as an after school program. They, they had people who volunteered to help with homework. They had uh, a food pantry that ran out there. They did all kinds of stuff. Um, Katrina came in 2005 and, and kind of wipes out a lot of what's going on. Uh, Earl's partner in this project gets cancer, and they're not really able to start it back up. And so in 2008, when he meets us, uh, he feels like this is a moment that this thing that had been so good can kind of rise back up. And so when we got there and we saw this, like so many other things at that time, uh, you know, both the storm and time had just kind of left it in this state of needing repair. Uh, and so he wanted our help getting this back up and running. By the end of the year, we were eating watermelon, hot peppers, corn, potatoes, all kinds of stuff out of this garden. There was a goose that lived there, and I had goose eggs from that goose. It was it was delicious. I loved it. Uh, um, and so this was a place that we learned, uh, some of us uh, who, who had not really been in that kind of environment, how to do some of this kind of self-sustaining uh, type stuff right there. Uh, and it looks like we do have some uh, some farmers here in the group, and that's fantastic. I love it. Um, so when I originally wrote this, my roommate Braxton and I had spent several weeks restoring this um, brick border around a, an area. And, and in that, we had found these bricks that were under all this dirt. And we'd been restoring this really beautiful brick walkway. Uh, we, were, we were digging around, um, getting all the bricks out, washing the bricks off, had to kind of reset that dirt uh, and then start to reset all those bricks to, to remake this walkway in the back. It was a really... Um, time-consuming project, but it, but it ended up being really beautiful. But other things that we did, um, particularly in the, in the earlier days, we were um, taking turns tilling uh, the soil, right? Uh, we, we have this gas-powered tiller, and, and, and as it went, you would see it like dig up the, the dirt that's under there, put the topsoil back, back down, and the dirt would look really fresh as it sits on top there. And before Matthew told me that I didn't know anything about farming, I thought that was really beautiful and looked really great. And so there was this day where I looked up and I just had one of those moments, maybe you've had those before, where uh, I felt like there was something going on uh, in my own spirit. I had this great feeling about seeing the way that God works inside of my own spirit uh, with, with some of the things that need to grow and getting uh, the, the fingers in the dirt and doing the hard work of of turning things over and seeing um, what goes on there. So I'm, I'm giving Matthew a hard time, but a couple of weeks ago, he and I were chatting about something else. And I just mentioned this was what I was going to be preaching on. And he starts talking about how one of the things that we've done um, is fucked up the land. And I don't know if you know that about us or not, um, but we, we brought a lot of these um, European Eurocentric farming methods over here, you know, all this time ago, uh, and and just kind of ignored the the indigenous folks who were here and the way they had been working this land for God knows how long. Uh, and so we took this idea of tilling and putting the topsoil under and bringing the fresh dirt up. And and there's much more to it than that. And I, like I said, I'm giving Matthew a hard time. He can give you a much better explanation of this. Um, and, uh, you know, ask him, he does want to tell you about it. Um, so this tilling and bringing up the dirt, that's 
not great for our soil. Having this healthy topsoil, there's other ways we do that. And um, and so uh, that's one of the things that Matthew is learning about. And uh, But it's also um, kind of a, a growing emergent movement in farming. There's a great show called uh, Bless This Meths that had uh, Dax Shepard and Lake Bell. And they are these New Yorkers who inherit this farm in Nebraska. Uh, and it's his it's his grandmother's farm or great grandmother's farm something like that and he's dealing with this issue of not having good soil and um, he starts to learn about this method of letting the chickens uh, you know spreading the seed in front of the chickens let it eat it off the ground and how that is developing the soil he gets made fun of by all these other farmers who tell him he doesn't know what he's doing uh, and all this kind of stuff and so uh, it's just a really um, different method of farming than what most of us have heard or try or understood farming to be, whether we're very familiar with it, like some in our community, or just have kind of a probably pop culture idea of what farming is and things like that. Uh, and so it's, it's this idea that, uh, oh, maybe what, what I was told or taught or shown or had explained to me for so long, uh, isn't right. <laughs> or maybe there are better ways, or maybe I should be listening to people who have a better understanding of this than me. Um, so, so God isn't using this gas powered tiller inside of us, not using the, the, you know, that you stick it in and turn it with your hands, that kind of, so the manual one, uh, God's reminding us that there's different ways of planting and nurturing seeds than maybe what we've been inundated with most of our lives. The divine wants to change the way that we live and love, talk, and treat others, work, and do all these things, even the way we eat. And I wrote that before I was even interested in being vegan, you know, 12, 15 years ago, however long. Uh, God's out here doing the stuff that we don't even know she's doing, and it's delightful. It's wonderful. But to, to understand that, that maybe we don't know everything, that maybe someone's got a better idea, that maybe there's been an older, better way of doing something that we've understood, it's hard for us to hear that sometimes. We, we want to think that what we know, what we've been taught, what we've learned is right, is good, is, is the only way. And it's hard to make ourselves be open to the idea that maybe we need to learn more. Maybe we need better information. Maybe we need different information than what we've been given. I'm struck by this idea that we're branches tied to the person of Jesus. I'm thankful for the writer of Ecclesiastes who paints this picture of the seasons that we're sure to go through in life. And, you know, the, the Christianese abuse of the metaphor of seasons of life, notwithstanding, we know there's times in our lives uh, that are going to bring change. Sometimes in the midst of those things, we can see, oh, this is a changing moment. Oh, this is going to shift what I think about this, how I interact with this, what I know about this. Jesus changed the understanding of who God is for, for the Jewish people at the time he comes. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea, right? He's this member of the ruling party, the ruling class of the religious order of the day. And he comes to him, has this interaction, and later gives his, his tomb space to him. Uh, we see that Paul is this young up-and-comer who has this fully perspective-changing shift because of the interaction of the person of Jesus. Mary, Martha, Priscilla, Hunia, they're all these young women who are lifted up and given these roles and places to train and teach and uh, help shape this, this new group. 
not not normal for the day that these women would have been given these positions of power and authority. Normal that over time uh, we have diminished what those are. Right? We see that status quo, that normal teaching, come in and try to fold some of these things down, even them out, make them more palatable to us. Those who have chosen to attach their vines to the to the branch of Jesus are always going to have the opportunity to bring change to the things that seem unchangeable. Uh, the, the way we practice our spirituality was never meant to be stagnant. Uh, it, it's meant to have seasons that, that change with us. While we can know and appreciate the things that have shaped us and made us who we are and brought us to where we are, uh, if, if I told you that I only use the information that I had gained up to X point in my life uh, to make decisions to about how to live, how to work, how to parent. If I only took everything I learned up to the 10th grade, you would think I was kind of a crazy person. You wouldn't trust that I know a lot about what I'm doing or the way that I live my life. Uh, people that I know and that I'm sure you have interacted with, though, uh, many of them will proudly claim that nothing they believe in their spiritual life uh, has changed in years or decades, and that absolutely baffles me. It makes me wonder about uh, the encounters that they're having with others, or the encounters that they are having or not having with the divine. Sometimes uh, in the midst uh, of their own time with the, with the divine, or, or in the midst of their interactions with others, seeing the Imago Dei in those people. If I were the same parent that I was eight years ago or the same partner to Hillary that I was 10 years ago or the same minister or Christian that I was 15 or 20 years ago, Jesus Christ, how boring um, and not great would that be? I've been gardened by the Spirit so often. The year that I lived in New Orleans was one of the most formative years of my life. Uh, like I said, the, the, the things that, that I experienced there, the people that I met, uh, in my neighborhood, in my uh, in the school that I worked at, in the uh, place where my roommates and I helped serve dinner several times a week. My roommates that I lived with, um, one of them called me a couple weeks ago, um, knowing that uh, I now work kind of in, in a, or that I work in a healthcare chaplaincy uh, capacity, and about this young girl that he and his wife, when they lived in Alaska, had cared for for some time. She'd been hit by a car in uh in Alaska and had to be life-flighted to Seattle. Um, well, he just texted me to let me know this was going on. Um, and so my interactions with him are, are ones that, again, just have, have changed and shaped and stayed in my life over these last 12, 13, 14 years, however long it is. Math is not my strong suit. But uh, these people that I experienced there, the places that I've been since, the people that I've interacted with since, they have changed me they've shaped me they've sometimes it's oh man this is wonderful i can't believe i didn't know that that's part of who i want to be that's something i want to know that's something i need to understand more of and sometimes it's like yeah that's not something i want to know about i don't want to be like that i don't want to be a part of that whatever the case may be it's not just that we take everything and go okay oh well yeah i want to learn that i want to do that sometimes it is about saying yeah that's not an example that i want to have that's not a lead that i want to follow I actually want to do the opposite of that. I want to see what's happening outside of that. As a partner to Hillary, I'm consistently changed by our interactions to be a better husband, to be a better partner to her. 
As a parent, I'm changed at least daily uh, in ways that I hope make me a better parent to my children. As a primary caregiver of them, as a minister, I'm confronted daily with people in the hospital setting that I probably would never interact with otherwise. That I have to remind myself God is in them. The image of God is in front of me in these people. And how am I going to interact with that? How am I going to interact with the divine through this person in front of me, through this grieving family, through this person who's just gotten this terrible diagnosis, all these things coming together? And how am I going to let that change who I am as a person, minister, friend, all these things? Or am I going to stonewall? And just say that none of this, none of these experiences, none of these ideas, none of these people, none of these things are worth coming into me and changing, maybe, who I am, how I interact with the world around me. If I were to allow myself to remain unchanged, unguarded, uh, unfarmed by all these things, I'd be stuck in any number of past seasons that aren't right for this time, and for this place, and for my family, and for my faith community, and for my professional life, and all these different areas. To be gardened by the Spirit means to allow ourselves to be open to change from the outside. Fran said, paradigm shift is, is essential to the spiritual life. When, you've been, when have you been gardened by the Spirit? That's kind of what I want to ask you this morning, is what are the times that have shaped shifted, formed your own spiritual life? When have you taken an experience and allowed yourself to to be changed by it, to to have a perspective change, to have the way uh, you interact with the divine shifted because of that? I can't answer those things for you, but, but I hope there are times that even as I ask those questions now, you could point to. But if you were to even dig a little deeper, You'd be able to say, oh, yeah, um, here's here's when I know that my vine got pruned a little bit so that more growth could happen. Here's where I know I decided not to be stunted in growth. Here's where I know I allowed myself to say, oh, what I know about farming uh, isn't the best thing. Uh, maybe I need to learn a little bit more than I thought I knew. What I know about God, what I know about the divine, what I know about the the internal spiritual life that I got when I was 5 and 10 and 15 and 20 and 30 and 40 and 50. Oh, man, I, I'm, I've reevaluated that because I've grown, because I've had new interactions, because I've had new information. I hope for you that when you have had those times that you felt more connected to that branch, to the divine, because of those things. A change can feel isolating. I've felt it. When when something is shifting, the people around us, a lot, oftentimes they don't want that. They want the me, the you, the us that they've known, that they're comfortable with, that they can understand. Let's take some time to say, yeah, I, I know I'm connected to who God is, to the divine through this. It's okay to feel the isolation, to feel the sadness, to feel some of the shame. It can feel shameful when we realize, oh, 
something's going on. Oh, I was wrong. Okay, we should work through those emotions. We should understand them, process them, and allow them to be part of the new branch, part of the new vine that's shooting out from what's been pruned. That's what I have for you this morning. I really uh, am so thankful to the peace community, to um, to Matthew, to Aurelia, uh, to Fran, to Jonathan, to Naomi, to everybody who, uh, our, our SLC team, to everybody who's uh, helped make this community what it is. And that's um, all the people that, that I've met at peace, that my family has been involved with, because I have been changed over the last two years, the last two and a half years because of this community. And I hope you have as well. Bye, friends.